I'm Bill Stanley with LMB Farm in Agadoches, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I know this is a good day for some of you because we've gotten some really good rains across part of the state over the last 24 hours. But unfortunately, Texas is a big place, and we didn't get those rains everywhere. If you got them, we're happy for you. If you didn't, we're praying for you. But either way, we're going to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas cotton acreage is probably on the increase. The latest prospective plantings report released last month from USDA showed that we will have an increase in cotton acreage here in Texas, but it may climb even higher if this drought continues. We'll check in with Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson to talk more about that to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. If you were to write a book about agriculture research in the Texas High Plains, you'd have to devote a chapter to the work of Charlie Rush. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the contributions of Dr. Rush, who retired recently after a distinguished career with Texas A&M AgriLife. A new direction for Plains cotton growers as a new chief executive officer moves into the future with continued sound farm policy objectives. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from Cody Besant on Texas Ag Today. Patchy rain across Central Texas this past week some were lucky and some were not. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The recent USDA prospective plantings report estimated cotton acreage here in Texas at 6.8 million acres. That's over 400,000 acres more than last year. But Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says he expects it to be even higher than that. I think the current USDA, the prospective planting number for Texas is up year over year about 400 and something thousand acres. I wouldn't be surprised to see it up three quarters of a million acres or a million acres. But, you know, you can plant that seed. Uh, that's, there's no guarantee on the, uh, on the harvested, on the abandonment rate and the resulting harvested acreage. It's, that's a huge question mark. And with the insurance price at $1.03 this year, Robinson says we will see a lot of cotton go into the ground and the weather will determine if it's harvested or not. But despite that, Robinson says he expects cotton prices to remain strong all through the growing season. This kind of year is just unfolding. It's uncertainty and it's unfolding and, and we'll, we'll have to see what it's like in a couple of months. The only good side to that uncertainty is that it's going to hold up, hold prices higher I don't think we're going down. I mean, we'll fluctuate. We've been volatile, but I think we're probably going higher from here. I think we'll probably hold 
above a dollar all through the growing season. And he thinks we could get new crop cotton as high as a dollar twenty-five. With prices for cotton and grains at historic levels, every single seed will count this year. Kevin Meeks is an agronomist with Helena Agra Enterprises in West Texas. He says that as farmers get planters ready to roll in his part of the state, it will pay off to make sure your planter is operating at peak efficiency. Oh yeah, you know, we, we have conversations on doing variable rate seeding, you know, to bring that cost of seed down. So make sure our planters are, are calibrated, that everything's in good working condition, because we need every seed to produce this year. You know, every skip, every double is going to count towards our ultimate goal of either producing what we set out to produce, or it's going to, you know, it could could limit our yields. And we just don't want to bring that potential down right at planting because something happened during planting. Our planter, you know, messed up or, you know, we weren't paying attention to something. So really pay attention to the details this year. And Meek says early season weed control will be imperative this year with the high cost and scarce availability of some herbicides. Charlie Rush is a name familiar to many in Texas High Plains agriculture. James Hunt caught up with this longtime researcher who recently retired. After nearly a half century working in plant pathology, Dr. Charlie Rush has retired. To say he has had an impact on Texas High Plains agriculture is something of an understatement. After all, he's the man who got Texas A&M AgriLife's plant pathology program in our region going. When I arrived in 1986, Dr. G.V. Thompson was the resident director, and he pretty much took me out to Bushland and said, this is where your office is going to be in this room. Uh, you can have any of these rooms over here on this side of the hall uh, if you want to try to build a lab. And they were just essentially store rooms. And <laughs> so uh, I cleaned them up and started turning them into a plant pathology lab. And as he went about developing the program, Dr. Rush says he received a lot of support from the very people he had come here to serve. We were able to pretty quickly get a lab up and running where we could do diagnostics for identifying what the different diseases were in the area. If I needed a piece of equipment, I just let people know and growers would come through and provide funding. Through the years, Dr. Rush has achieved many accomplishments in helping mitigate the threat of plant disease to area crops. Just one example, and it's a big one, his work with AgriLife wheat breeders in combating wheat streak mosaic virus. The varieties that have come about now are much, much more tolerant. Uh, and Some of them even have specific genes for resistance to the virus. We'll hear more from Dr. Rush in future reports. In retirement, he is staying in the area and plans to make occasional contributions to AgriLife's research efforts. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Plains Cotton Growers is under new leadership after the retirement of longtime CEO Steve Verrett. Tom Nicoletti visits with the new CEO of the state's largest cotton organization. My guest today is Cody Bessent. He is the chief executive officer of Plains Cotton Growers uh, based in Lubbock. And uh, Cody uh, has uh, taken this position uh, over here in the last year. And so uh, this is all new to you, but uh, uh, certainly uh, not new to you because uh, you have been uh, involved in the cotton industry and you know uh, uh, what cotton farmers need and uh, what is the vision for you for PCG in the future. The vision overall is to continue to provide premier service to our producer 
leadership, to our producer members to try to continue to develop sound legislative policy and an advocacy effort, as well as work and enhance on market development efforts and research and development. Our area is certainly prone to a lot of adverse weather that have a large impact on producers, and so having sound farm policy is one of our main credos and missions, and we'll continue to advocate and do as best as we can on the state and federal level, and to grow. Certainly, agriculture in general, uh, agronomic practices, farming practices continue to change and adapt, and we continue to adapt and change as our producers do as well. Pivot as we grow into a new or next generation of farming, and, and we're excited to do that. We're honored to do that, and I look forward to continue to grow our organization since the inception, since 1956, and grow for another 65 years, being this is 65th annual meeting this year. Cody, uh, how many members are part of uh, Plains Cotton Growers, and how many counties uh, does that cover up in this uh, region of Texas? There's 42 counties that we have the privilege to represent. It's about 8,000 producers. And then from the ginning segment, they also work hand in glove with us as we do with them. And that's roughly about 100 gins across the whole area. That is Cody Bessent. He is Chief Executive Officer with Plains Cotton Growers. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Rain is slowly creeping into central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. If you're watching the radar during our last thunderstorm, you probably think everyone in the Flint County area got rain. Radar can be very deceiving, as any rainfall that has come across our area has really been patchy. Now, when you compare that 30-year average rainfall from August of 2021 to now, we still are about 10 less inches of rain for that time period. The moisture that passed through our area has been a hit or miss. Some areas receive rain, while others do not. Our recent rainfall amounts varied from no moisture to two inches of rain. For those that did receive a rain, most received at least a three-quarters of an inch. There are pockets in our county that did not receive anything, uh, just a few sprinkles on the windshield. The rainy areas have greened up almost overnight. Cool season forages continue to grow along with our warm season forages. Now, with the at grass growth, we also have a big, nice flush of weeds that are growing. Our recent rains were followed by very windy days, so our topsoil moisture really dried out fast, so much so that farmers were in the field a few days later to start planting cotton in our area. Corn and grain sorghum fields that were planted a few weeks ago that have been sitting in a dry seedbed have now germinated, emerged, and are coming up, and you can see them down the row. Wheat fields are maturing early due to extreme growing conditions for our area. Many fields are showing some symptoms of drought stress, cold temperature damage, as well as hessian fly activity. We normally see hessian fly in the fall, but now we are seeing hessian fly activity in the spring. Injury to wheat by the hessian fly can greatly decrease yields due to the hessian fly larva feeding on stem tissue at the crown or just above the node on joining wheat. The McLennan County Small Grain Field Day was this past week, and Extension Agronomist Reagan Nolan said that you can see dead tillers on the wheat plants but there are some additional stems there. Now, those are going to be later developing stems. And if you can get a rain on these fields, those secondary tillers should increase our overall yield. The problem we're running into this year, if you did not plant a variety of wheat that is resistant to hessian fly, any late developing tiller is going to be negatively affected by that hessian fly larva. This is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. Sign up for an additional option under the Managed Lands Deer Program opens this week. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Act today. 
And bovine respiratory disease, or BRD, is a leading cause of death in stalker and feeder cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Bovine respiratory disease, or BRD, is the leading cause of death in stalker and feeder cattle. Dr. Bob Judd says a recent study was conducted to see if cattle affected with BRD are in pain. One would think that even mild respiratory disease would at least be uncomfortable for the calves and more severe disease would be painful. Difficulty breathing can certainly be unpleasant, and I know chronic coughing is painful for me, and I would suspect it would be for the calves also. The staff at Kansas State performed a study last October to determine if the disease was painful. Calves with no history of bovine respiratory disease were divided into three groups, with one group being infected with a bacterial organism that causes the disease and were given flunixin as an anti-inflammatory and pain medication. Group 2 was infected but not given pain medication, and the third group was not infected at all. Calves were analyzed by multiple methods, and results showed that all infected calves had reduced activity levels, decreased weight bearing on the right front leg, and visual pain scores indicating bacterial pneumonia in cattle is painful. Calves in the group that received the anti-inflammatory flunixin had less lameness on the right forelimb, indicating the drug decreased some of the pain. It is becoming common to use pain medication in cattle for routine procedures like castration and dehorning, but pain medication is not routinely used in sick animals and should be considered in animals with pneumonia. It is likely the anti-inflammatory will decrease fever and increase appetite as the calves will be in less pain. The only concern is there are only a few drugs approved for pain in food animals, and withdrawal periods must be observed. So this fact sometimes limits the use of pain medication in cattle. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sign up for an additional option under the Managed Lands Deer Program opens this week. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Sign up is now underway for part of a program from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department that allows landowners expanded deer season hunting and bag limits. It's called the Managed Lands Deer Program. It encourages wildlife conservation, which includes hunting as a means to control the population, and habitat conservation. The program has two options for landowners. Sign up for the conservation option opened earlier this month. That option offers program participants the opportunity to work with a TPWD biologist to receive customized land-specific habitat and deer harvest recommendations and MLDP tag issuance for white-tailed deer and or mule deer. It does require the reporting of certain types of deer data, as well as completion of certain practices each year. Sign up for the second option, which is the harvest option, will open on May 1st. 
Alan Kane, TPWD's white-tailed deer program leader, joins us for more on that. It's just an automated do-it-yourself. Our system creates a harvest rate for that season. That's it. There's no adjusting it. We base that off our regulatory survey data, some general habitat information for those particular areas where that property is located. Cost for the harvest option is $30 per management unit and $30 per aggregate site. Cost for the conservation option for a standalone property is $300 for the first management unit and $30 for each additional management unit. Landowners can sign up for the conservation option through June 15th. They can sign up for the harvest option from May 1st through September 1st. You can do that on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Search Managed Lands Deer Program. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was an ugly day in the cattle futures market thanks to a negative cattle on-feed report. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, this is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, I've spent my entire life in agriculture, and I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather all increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. I want you to write this number down, 833-897-2474, 8972474 Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. I want you to call the Texas Agri Stress Helpline. Here's the number again. 833-897-2474. That's 833-897 2474. Or if you can't write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. The Texas Agri Stress Helpline. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A negative cattle on feed report on Friday weighed heavily on the cattle futures market on Monday. We closed sharply lower, especially on the live cattle market. April live cattle dropped 335, 139.10. June live cattle dropped three dollars at 135.42, while August was down 305, 137.32. Feeder market finishing lower. April down a dollar forty at 156.55. May feeder cattle down 257 at 16130 while August was down 240 17450 cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday we wrapped up last week selling cattle from 139 to 141 most of the cattle selling at 140 that's a dollar higher compared to the previous week last week's negotiated cash cattle trade a big 110,597 head Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice down 97 cents at 266.94. Select up a dollar 69, 256.46. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer choice sound out, it's time to review the success of the sailing Santa on Thursday. Ken Jordan's on the line. Ken, what do you think? 
You bet, Larry. We had a good sale today. We ended up having 1,611 head of cattle. I thought overall, all is good. A lot of wean cattle and everything. I thought we got into our stocker steers. Uh, they sold fully steady. Had a group of 12 head today. We had 475 at a dollar 96 a pound. Those uh, 12 head dollars got over 931 dollars. Also had a really good draft of uh, four head. We 585 at a buck 78. A little over 1,041 dollars on those, Larry. The stocker heifers. I thought overall were steady. Had a group of four heifers. Weighed 431 at a buck 80 uh, today. That dollar out right at 776 dollars. The Feeder steers and heifers I thought were fully steady today on a very active trade. At five steers, weighed 706 at a buck 64, and that dollar at 1100 and right at $58 on those. Packer cows were steady to maybe two to three lower with the top cow at 98, and Packer bulls, they were steady with a high bull at $1.16 today. Pears and bread cows overall were fully steady uh, with good demand there. How about next week? You bet. Next week, we got uh, Monday, we got our calf sale that will be coming up Mason, um, and we didn't have a sale Monday this past Monday because of Easter and everything, so I look for a pretty good run there. Depending on what the rain does, we hope we get some good rain late Sunday afternoon uh, and evening, maybe in Monday morning, the way it looks. Also, I just want to bring attention, we are having a our kind of last spring bull sell next Thursday. Got a lot of good uh, Angus, Red Angus, Brangus, some Charlays, Main Angus, and a few others that'll be there, Larry, starting at 10 o'clock. We'll start an hour early on that for next Thursday. Got to listen up on our website already today, Larry. JordanCattle.com's website. What's the phone number? You bet. There you go. 325-372-5159, Larry. We'll talk to you Sunday evening. Thank you, Ken. You bet. Thank you, sir. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble here in Central Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close sharply lower on Monday. May hogs drop 405 to close at 107.80. June hogs down 475. 114.02. Class 3 milk was mixed. April milk unchanged at 24.32 a hundredweight, while May milk was up 10 cents, 24.65 a hundred. A mixed close in the cotton market. We started sharply lower on Monday, but made up most of those gains. Of course, the COVID-19 issues over in China weighing on the market quite a bit. July cotton dropped 44 points to close at 135.41. October cotton up one at 124.36, while December cotton was down 88 points, 118.28. The corn market getting a boost from rain in the Midwest, causing further planting delays. They're having a tough time getting planted started up there, and that's boosting corn prices with May corn up seven and a quarter, eight dollars and a quarter penny. July corn up nine at 7.98 a bushel, while September corn is up six. To close at 751 and a half. The wheat market was mixed, hard wheat closing higher while soft wheat closed lower. July Kansas City wheat up three and a half, eleven fifty-three a bushel. July Chicago wheat down two and three quarters, ten seventy-two and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas was up thirty-six cents at six ninety. June crude oil down three oh five, ninety-nine oh two a barrel. The financial markets were higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 229 points, 34,041. The Nasdaq up 158 at 12,997. The S&P up 23 points, 4,294. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 